This is Parenting for the Everyday. I'm Becca Alvarez. And I'm Holly Dyke Andrew. We are two moms currently down in the trenches of parenthood. We want to create a community of support and encouragement as we set out to find the answers to the parenting questions that everyone is asking. From the easy stuff to the hard stuff, we want to talk about it all. On today's episode, we are talking about summer, summer rhythms and that transition from the school routine to the summer routine. Uh, And today is so special for me because I have two of my best friends sitting across the table from us. And so for all everybody else who doesn't know you, will you just introduce yourselves, who you are, talk about your family? Um, I'm April. I've been married to my husband, Mike, for um, almost 14 years, and I have three kiddos, um, 10, 9, and 6. And I'm Jess McCann, and we'll be married 15 years this summer. And I have three boys and a girl, four, six, eight, and ten. This is just such a fun episode. To me, I feel like these are things that when I talk to my girlfriends, we're kind of thinking about summer and scared about summer and not sure what to do, where I feel like you moms are people that I look up to and see your families and see the fun that you have. And so I'm really excited to just learn and hear how you take on summer, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, I feel like When school ends, it can be such a fun and challenging time because you've got your kids back with you, but also you've got your kids back with you, (laughs) and that can be tough. So tell us just some of the best things about summer and some of the hardest things about summer. You literally took the words out of my mouth. The best thing is that they're home, and the worst thing is that they're home. (laughs) So, um, I mean, there are. There are lots of wonderful things about summer and so much fun memories and not having to worry about the structure and homework and all that. Um, But it is a long, it's a long day with them home with you all the time. So it it can be hard. Feeling that day. Yeah. Yeah. How do you handle the mom, I'm bored, or the whining that can happen once yeah, apart from that classic, if you can't find something to do, I'll give you something to do because that <laughs> has come out of my mouth quite a few times. Uh, but I do use that. I will say, you know, if you can't find something to do on your own, I'll give you a chore or I'll give you something to do. Uh, we'll talk about this a little bit later. And Jess is really good at leaning into this here. Uh, But I do think boredom is one of those things that's almost like a muscle built that kids have to learn how to get themselves out of. And so if everything in your entire day is super structured from the moment you wake up, when I say structured, I mean like activities. You've got this one from Pinterest and then you've got a sensory board and then we're going here and we're doing this. Uh, Kids lose the ability to kind of entertain themselves and use their imagination and their creativity. So I think there's really a, a finding of balance of saying like, hey, I can give you chore if you're complaining, but also is it just setting a timer and saying, okay, for 30 minutes, you guys have to figure out something to do and you can't ask me for it. I think having like this, like I have a loose summer schedule, like I have timeframes for it, but it's, you know, they can be shifted, but I think that really helps. They, it's almost like school. They know something else is shifting. And within that, there is a lot of free time. There's a little bit of chore time. There's a little bit of reading time, but there is still that like free time, play time that they can do whatever they want. So that can help cut down on the, I'm bored, I don't know what to do because you you just had, you know, a designated time for something and we're going into a designated time for something. Um, and that's where I do like the, I do quiet time, which I've started from the time my kids were little. When As soon as they stopped napping, they're used to being in their rooms for like two hours. And so I have that wake up clock. And so as soon as they're not napping anymore, you set the wake up clock and um, they do two hours in the room because sometimes they still will nap, sometimes they won't. But even my 10 year old, when they're home from school, they're in their rooms for the two hours from one to three, 
And I think that's also helped create less of I'm bored because they figure out what to do. They're in their room. They're being creative. And so when that builds, I think, that muscle where once they're not in their rooms and they're doing, you know, they can figure out something to do on their own. But also I think that's clutch for summer is yeah. saying go to your room for a little bit because sometimes we need that break. Think about that transition from school. So kids have been in school and it's like we're doing math, we're doing reading, we're going to recess, we're going to lunch. And so they come home and that's a hard transition for them too because they're looking like, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? And so, you know, Jess said her kids can do it for two hours. My kids can't. They can't do it for two hours. But, you know, we start where it might be a little of like, okay, like I said, 10 minutes, I'm setting the timer for 10 minutes, read or play outside, and then we can regroup and I can give you an idea of something to do. Yeah, and Jess, you hit hit it on the head too as far as I just think that moms need that break too. That couple hours of just a reset, whether that is a workout or just time to yourself or something where little voices aren't when you know and that, I think that saves you knowing that okay at you know come right. one o'clock one thirty I have that and obviously with smaller ones that decide they don't want to nap or whatnot that gets interrupted but I think as they get older and you can do that it's a good thing for mom mentally now all of you guys have multiple children so what do you do about arguing when they're all together again? It's a good question. Even though I know they <laughs> love each other so much. I mean, my kids don't argue. Your kids argue. <laughs> yeah, I don't never, know. It's not a problem in our house. We never see. If you could imagine <laughs> it, what yeah. would it be like? If I'm being brutally honest, how I handle their arguing a lot depends on how, like, how I'm doing. Mm-hmm. If I'm in a good spot and if I'm... Um, if I'm doing well, then I, I handle it well. But if I'm if I'm not, then I end up kind of joining in the arguing and yelling at them and stop arguing. You're supposed to love each other. And then it just kind of snowballs from there. Um, but honestly, like sometimes, well, Jess will talk about this in a second, but um, I think sometimes even just they need breaks from each other sometimes. Mm-hmm. So we don't necessarily do a quiet time in our house, but sometimes it's like, okay, we cannot get ourselves together. Everyone go take, you're not, this is not a consequence. You're not in trouble, but go take 10 minutes and just everyone do your own thing, be in your own space. Um, or even something as simple as like, okay, clearly we're not, we're failing at home. Let's go to the park. Like just change the scenery, change the pace. Um, and sometimes it just kind of snaps them into a new, a new mindset. Yeah, I think a reoccurring theme that you'll hear uh, that we've learned through trial and trial and error is that you really can't um, handle these situations or parent well or handle the arguing, the bickering, uh, to what April just said, depending on where your heart is and where you're at. And so the most you know practical thing is always going to be starting your day uh, in a place where you are reminding yourself of the gospel and your purpose in parenting and your goals and the heart of it so that when these situations arise, you're taking a look at what's going on, uh, you know, every behavior is like a symptom of like a heart issue. And so when you're arguing, you know, siblings are arguing because they are like, I want what I want. I want it now and I want it my way. Right. And so it's really stopping and thinking through like, okay, what's the behavior? What's the heart issue? And then how do we get to the heart issue? Um, from a practical standpoint, I mean, I have also just recently, uh, I made my kids uh, that they weren't allowed to play with each other. And so like, you have to stay in this room and you have to stay in this room. And, you know, an hour goes by and they're begging to be together with each other because they miss each other. And so even there's like, okay, then how do we reconcile? Let's make it right. Who needs to apologize? Who needs forgiveness? And then we can move on. So uh, that's something that I just recently started implementing that has worked well for my twins. That is like a reverse psychology warfare (laughs) tactic. Is that 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 bad? (laughs) You say warfare. I think just even, or just saying you can't, like our rule is if you can't treat your siblings like friends, like you can't play with your friends. So if we had a, you know, 
a play date planned or someone's going to come over, then like that's not going to happen until you can treat this person like you're going to treat the friend that's coming over. Um, something I've also done lately, which kind of can pour over into the arguing, it just I've seen a, some benefits is at Target or Walmart, wherever you can get like post-it notes and they come in like five or six different colors. And so I've given each of my kids a specific color. So they have their own color post-it note and then they write a little note and put it on each other's door in their bedroom. And that's just been really cool to see them randomly. When I think when they get that from each other, it really – I can see a shift in their attitude towards each other that day, the next day, because they're feeling really filled up by that person. And I have two that specifically really struggle. And when my daughter gets a note from that brother, it, like, really shifts. Yeah. So that's just kind of an easy – I love that. I, I love that, too. What a great way to kind of channel this um, – really trying to doctor encouragement into your children and making that, again, we talked about muscles, but making that a muscle that is flexed and what a great way to love on each other in a creative. And even my, like my four-year-old just learned how to write his, no, he's six. He's six. He's He just fine. learned to write. He can only write his name, but he has the green post-it notes. He writes his name and then sticks it on a thing. And they, they all know that when you get that from him, it means I love you. And so it's just like, they don't have to be able to write or even, you know, the four-year-old can just take his color and put it on a wall. And that just means I love you. I'm thinking of you. So you don't have to, you know, be school age yet. Yeah, that's awesome. So how you, Jess, you talked a little bit about kind of having a loose structure. Um, April and Holly, you guys don't have as much of the structure, but how do you guys all find things to do? Like, do you have a summer bucket list? Do you have, are you already conjuring up great plans for the summer that's just about upon us or what's the plan? Yes. Uh, (laughs) We do do a summer bucket list and I really, I think it's really great to have your kids be involved in making the bucket list um, because then they know what's on it. They have things to look forward to. Um, So definitely that. I mean, there are so many resources um, that you can use. I mean, it's very easy to fill up every day with activities put on by other organizations if you want to. So like check your local library. There's so many things the library has. Um, obviously Instagram is your best friend slash worst enemy. You can follow really great parenting hacks even for this area. Um, you know, like kids camp, kids camp is an awesome, like CCC does such a great job with this. So, you know, there's tons of things, libraries, school camps, um, church camps. There's lots of things that you can use to fill. Going to the creek. Yeah, I mean, we live in a national park. I mean, and the Cleveland Metro Parks just got ranked, like, number one recently. So, you know, there's no excuse not to be outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. April, what, we just figured this out. Well, April knew this, but she just shared it with the rest of us recently. <laughs> She's been holding on to the secret. Yeah. You mentioned you the library. A lot of places you, are free without telling us. Yeah. yeah. Guys, the po- like, your local library, maybe not every library, but at least a handful, you can, like, check out a pass to, like, the Akron, like, things, the Akron Zoo, for free. Museum. You yeah. check out the pass, and then you can go to the zoo for the day for free, and yeah. then you return the pass I mean, to the this library. is wild. There's, like, the Akron Zoo, Stan Hewitt, Twinsburg does Hale Farm. I know. It's like, why did I not know about this? There's some presidential museum that you can go to. It's like, you check it out, and you go for free. How cool is that? So... I also need to get a library card. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, the I first step. Start with that. Um, yeah, I think there's such a good balance of there are tons of paid things or places you can go. But also, I mean, the National Park, there is Everett 
road bridge. I don't know if anybody knows about that, but it's just, it's free. You walk in and there is a covered bridge and underneath there's a creek and kids swim in it and play in it. And um, when our kids were little, for sure, we would pack a lunch and we would all meet there with our girlfriends and we would just let the kids play in the dirt and then we would like go home. And so it was free, but we got out of the house and we did something. Um, but I also don't want to put this like stigma on like, what's your planned activity for the day? You know, it can even just be, um, we had a picnic today and we ate on the floor instead of the table. And so all of a sudden that breaks up your routine. And there's this quote that I love uh, that says the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is just a little extra. And so you can take like a mundane uh, thing that you do every day and you just change it a little bit. You watch a movie and you have a snack that matches the movie. And all of a sudden now that's like a fun thing. Um, I would like reiterate April's uh, Instagram accounts. There are local Instagram accounts that are like people love to go and find things to do and share it. Um, And so following ones that can help with that, I think is also a huge tool. Keeping a running list. I just have a running list in my notes on my phone. Like, I mean, Holly, you go out and do a lot of things. You, you know, post where you are, just friends, anyone, and just keeping a running list of that throughout the year. Um, And then you can just reference that. And like you said, you don't have to do it every day. I've told my kids like one to two days a week, we'll go out, we'll do something a little bit bigger. And then the rest of the time it's, you know, doing smaller things at home. Feels like inevitably when there is a plan, especially if it's a big plan, you're going to Cleveland Zoo or something super fun, something happens and a kid's misbehaving or not cooperating with the plan of the day, what do we do at that point? Um, One of my girlfriends was talking about having this great summer bucket list and then they both kind of came to the same realization of we're just going to be tossing out empty threats like it's confetti because our kids are not going to cooperate. So what do you do when you've just gotten to a place and something happens? If you've just gotten there and they're not out of the car yet, you leave that kid in the car for a few extra minutes. <laughs> okay. You stay here for five minutes. I mean, roll the windows down if it's like above <laughs> 80. But they can sit in the car for a few extra minutes and yeah. you can stand within, you know, depending on what That's kid. My youngest great. would be like, I don't care if you go into the park without me. My yeah. oldest would be like, I need to see you. But, you know, just letting them sit there and wait till they can come out. Um, Tic Tacs are a great motivator. I keep them in my van. And so on the way to school in the morning, I said, if you didn't get ready for school well or we're not, you know, you didn't get ready on time, you get a Tic Tac. So sometimes even just, you know, behavior in the car or be, like, Leaving somewhere, going somewhere, that can be a little yeah. reward, maybe a bribe. But. Yeah, and you just you just need to have realistic expectations. Mm-hmm. Reviewing and, those with them. Yeah, and so if your kids are arguing at home, just because you get in the car doesn't mean that they're not going to argue when you get there. Or if they're whining or, you know, if you're like, we're going to do this great thing and my toddler's going to skip a nap and they're not going to throw <laughs> a fit. Like that is, it's kind of right. silly. Right. And so then you're disappointed for what you planned. Uh, and so if you have realistic expectations to say, hey, uh, right now my capacity is to leave for one hour. And so we are going to go for one hour and that's all we can do. And I'm not going to feel like I need to be compared to the mom that was there for eight hours. And so I think just having expectations of knowing your kids and knowing their limits. Some kids get overstimulated and they need to come home before other kids. And so not comparing to your friends, um, but just knowing what to expect. Um, I'm not... I'm not big for empty threats. And so going along that, I think you need to analyze the situation and recognize if you just got somewhere and your threat is, if you don't stop this right now, we're leaving, you you should be Be prepared prepared to leave. And so thinking through, if you don't want to leave, then, you know, what Jess, were we just talking about saying like, 
uh, I don't know what the consequence is going to be yet, but when we get home, we're going to have a consequence because you've disobeyed in this in this so situation. So easy to feel like I have to know what I'm going to say right now. Or do something and right And I've then. learned. Yeah. Then, I end, then it ends up being an empty threat because I'm like, am I really going to do you know right. X, Y, or Z? And it's like, I don't know what it is yet, but something when we happened. get home, something, something, <laughs> something big's happening. Happen. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I think it's so good. And, and you're right. Like when it's in the moment, it is hard to think through what – you should say, and sometimes emotions getting involved. They're elevated so, because you had this right. expectation of we're going right. to get here, we're going to have this kind of day, and all of a sudden it's, you know, turns out kind of trashy. Someone right. has meltdown. Yeah. And that leads into a great topic. So we just wrapped up the the series of the Summer of Generosity where you talked about uh, where Pastor Joe and Pastor Zach talked about forgiveness and apologies and encouragement and hospitality. So how – when you have your kids home for the entire summer – how can we as parents kind of demonstrate some of those things, whether it is an apology or forgiveness or Jess, you already gave a great example about encouragement. Um, but if a threat comes out, if something comes out and an apology needs to happen, how do you guys go about that? I have to apologize a lot to my kids. I think that's so yeah, good. There's though. a lot of, you know, and it could just be I raised my voice, I got angrier than I should have. That doesn't mean what you did was okay. But I overreacted. I did not show God's love to you the way he wants me to. Um, so I think apologize. And I, my kids, I do that a lot with them. And I always, if they'll apologize to each other, which they, it, they've gotten to the point where I don't need to prompt anymore. I don't need to say anything. But there is an appropriate way. They can't just say, I'm sorry. Right. You say, I'm sorry. You make sure that person's looking you in the eye. You say, I'm sorry for... And sometimes the other kid doesn't is refusing to look them in the eye, so that's one of their problems. <laughs> but like forcing, yeah, they're trying to avoid letting their sibling off the hook. But saying I am sorry for, and then you have to be specific about what that was. Not just being mean. Not you know, I'm sorry. I I bit your ear. I don't know. We have not a that that's we, ever, we have a bite. Not, not that that's that, ever not, happens. Not that that's ever. Um, hypothetically. Hypothetically, <laughs> um, just being very specific in that. And then I think as soon as they apologize, especially if they're apologizing to you or. Um, just letting it go right away, not holding it throughout the day and giving, you know, being kind of cold to them. I forgive you. Yeah. We're moving on. Like yeah. let them know that you're you're moving on. We talk a lot on this podcast about so much being caught instead of taught. I think there are definite things that are taught, like even the way that you just demonstrated the how you should apologize. But I think the fact that you're willingly stepping into apologies with your kids demonstrates and helps them catch this is important. This is important not just to my siblings, but this is important to everyone else on how to show God's love. So I just think that that is such a great way to go about it. Sometimes it tastes like vinegar, you know, yeah. coming out when you're having to apologize, you know, when they were, you know, not behaving the way they would expect, uh, you would expect. But I also think along with that modeling is apologizing to your spouse. So if you lose your cool uh, with your spouse, watching that interaction between the two of you of being, uh, I'm sorry for the way I talked to you. Will you forgive me? Uh, so not just with your kids, but letting them as observers watch it happen in other arenas, I think is really important too. My husband and I uh, finished Reengage, which is a class that CCC offers just on marriage. We finished it back in the winter, but something that they explained so well was that step of, will you forgive me? And I think in our whole relationship, I'm not sure if I'd said like those words. There's something that's so humbling about those specific words of, will you forgive me? And I think, Holly, you're so right. Practicing that with your spouse and practicing that with your kids of those specific little words, because it is just a humbling, humbling experience when you say them. Okay, so what about screen time? We talked about wanting to be outside. We talked about 
wanting to do activities, kind of having that combination. So what's the viewpoint? It's a hot topic, Becca. It's a hot topic. (laughs) Let's hear it. But again, I think uh, that's kind of why I love getting to do this with my friends because all three of us uh, approach screen time differently. So, which, yeah, and I think that's so important. Again, this lack of comparison of what is happening in one house versus what is happening in another. So (laughs) this is going to make me sound crazy. If I don't already sound crazy, here we go. So screen time um, for my three kiddos uh, was, is a big deal. And there was a, a time a couple months ago where it became too big of a deal. It was like all they could think about, all they wanted to do. They came home from school. They wanted screen time. They woke up in the morning, wanted screen mm. time. And it just became almost an idol for them. And so my husband and I had this conversation and we sat them down and it was a very hard conversation and they had lots of tears, but it was like, you know what? We need a page one rewrite. Like we are going to, no screens, no switches are gone. TV's gone. And it was, it was almost a month of like zero screen time. Um, and I will say it was, um, it was a rough first few days of no screens, but we talked a little bit about boredom, but like watching them be bored and having to relearn how to entertain themselves, like watching their creativity come back out again was so good. Um, and honestly, their attitudes and their behavior, it was almost night and day once we got past those first few weeks of like detoxing from screens. Now, we are definitely going to be using screens this summer. Like I'm not, I'm not crazy. I'm not <laughs> totally crazy. Um, but there definitely will be some time limits and we are going to set some expectations so they know what the time limits are. Um, so it's not a constant battle every day of how long they can be on their devices. I would encourage parents to just, uh, have thought that through and don't let screen time just happen. So whatever you decide is right for your house to have a plan and to say, whether it's a time limit, whether it's a time of day or in the evenings, um, to not let that become something that becomes an idol or that, uh, kind of runs your house. And so being intentional and then sticking with that. But I say that with kind of some, uh, flexibility to give yourself grace. So, you know, uh, we typically don't watch TV during the day. That's something we do as a family in the evenings. But let me tell you, there are days that are hard and long and rainy. And it's like, you know what we're doing? We're watching a movie right here at 11 a.m. And so giving yourself grace to uh, just be intentional with your decisions, but grace to figure out like day by day what works. Uh, one thing to add as well is uh, just it's different when the range of kids is different as far as the age. So in my house, I have a 13 and a half year old and then I have twin seven year olds. And so those boundaries look different. My 13 year old has a phone, uh, switch, you know, has a lot more uh, access to things than maybe my seven year old has. And so, again, it's looking at the individual kid because some kids can handle more and some kids can handle less and uh, knowing what's healthy and right for that kid. But again, it's just that intentionality between. But behind it of actually not just saying, oh, well, every 13-year-old does this. So that's what we're doing in our house. Like what is healthy for your kid and then sticking to those guidelines, even if they're against the grain from what all the neighbor kids are doing. Uh, I would just encourage that. Um, I tell I tell my kids this. They hate this. But, um, you know, this notion that uh, it's actually good when your rules look different than other kids because we are, we're called to be set apart and we're called to look different. And so, you know, when they're you know, my oldest will say, mom, everybody is doing this. And I'll say, oh, great. Uh, that great. We are not going to do it because we're called you. to be set apart. That doesn't sway me the way that he thinks yeah. it will. So just being intentional behind those conversations. I think one other thing that is going with the intentionality that's probably important, specifically with screen time, is because I tend to, to not be super intentional in the summer. We just kind of do whatever, you know, wherever the wind takes us in some ways. But with the, um, like, 
that's a conversation you and your spouse or whoever you're with need to figure out beforehand. Because if you're trying to parent on the fly, in the moment, day by day, um, that's really hard. So having those conversations before you're in the situation, so they know and so you know um, what is expected. I think like, and it's so easy, even as a mom, like my kids, like on the weekends when they're allowed to play, generally it's, you can play two hours Saturday and Sunday, however you want to break that up. If you want to do an hour in the morning, hour at night, but it'd be so easy if I'm not paying attention and nobody's fighting and it's quiet. (laughs) So I, you know, I can get stuff done. All of a sudden like, they've been on longer. So I think having, I have a few kitchen timers and you're responsible for setting this. And if you can't stop when it goes off, then like you're done. But I think having that too, for the kids that are old enough to do that, that can take, teaching them that when this goes off, this is it. Um, because otherwise you can just spend so much time. How long have you been on here? How long, right. you know, and then when you have multiple kids, that just, that takes up, you know, a chunk of your time and energy. Yeah. And what a great discipline for them to start to learn. Um, yeah, I think screen time is a tough thing. And I would also just encourage looking into not just what screen time can do, but, um, what is on the screens, you know, and how that can impact. There's tons of research out there about, I have a toddler, and so um, he does. He does watch screen time. He loves outside, and so sometimes it's the only way to kind of cool him off and start a wind-down situation. But I know a lot about what shows have slower transitions and what shows have less colors, and there's research about all of that that's out there. And so just as a parent, kind of being willing to look into it, and April, like you were saying, the intentionality behind it – to know what your child's ingesting. And I think you had such a great point too of seeing a difference in your kids when they were watching too much and being aware of that. And something that Holly and I probably say every episode is just knowing your kids and knowing when they're starting to have some changes that you want to address at some point. Okay, as we start to wrap up, I have two last questions. One, what are the summer must-haves? What should we stock up on now? Popsicles. <laughs> For real. Pops never have too much food. Well, and they're just, popsicles are easy, like, I think of the neighborhood kids, and mm-hmm. like, if everybody knows in yeah. the house that has popsicles in the freezer, in the yeah. garage, or whatever, um, my mom did that growing up, and I just know that everyone gravitated towards my house, and so I think popsicles, we're joking, but we're not joking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. a hose, a garden hose. Yeah, yeah. Okay, popsicles spray each other and a yeah. garden hose. <laughs> yeah, well, like, what... Water activities like yeah, sprinklers, water balloons, the garden hose, kiddie pools. I mean, anything that gets them like cooled off and wet, my kids have a blast with. But another thing, I think I, anytime I go into Target, like the dollar section, there's all yeah. these like kid craft things. Even Joanne's like anywhere where you, you can stock up on like, hey, it's a rainy day and everyone's like crabby. Like, let me pull out my little goodie bag right. of tricks and like let's, you know, break things up with that. I think outside of an object is just having plans with friends. I think sometimes it, it, you can get so used to everyone's doing their own schedules. People are on vacation, and so you can feel kind of isolated some days. And I think having, you know, we've talked about doing like fun Fridays where, you know, grab a couple friends and try to do something on a somewhat regular basis. You know, people have differing schedules. But um, I think knowing you have that coming up also can be a good thing to have in your back pocket. I would also, uh, not to be too nerdy, uh, one of my summers must have is like a reading challenge. And so the all the local libraries do one. But you can also, like I've gone and downloaded some templates off Etsy that just, uh, we have intentional reading time and then it's really cool. They can color like a map or like, it's like stacked books and they color one and then when they get to a certain part, they get a prize. Um, and then going along that too would be 
some sort of spiritual rhythm for your house for this summer. So with that intentionality, um, summer's a great time to start doing a family devotional or worship time if you don't do it, um, but just creating a regular pattern of uh, looking at Scripture, teaching your kids to look at Scripture as they transition through any season, I think is really, really important to do. And I think that can be so helpful for the mom, too. As structure changes, it's easy for that time. If you had your time with the Lord when the kids went to school and now that's gone, kind of reminding yourself that taking care of you is also so important on a spiritual, physical, and mental level. I think in that vein, too, I kind of did a trial run. Um, spring break week because we had all been in all winter. I was like, this is, I was not looking forward to spring break. And I was trying to each night plan something fun to do with them. And I was racking my brain for one night. I was like, I'm so busy, caught up, like trying to figure out what I'm going to do for them. Like, why don't we do something for somebody else? Like, why don't we show them what it looks like to pour into other people? So the next day we planned a few, you know, we went and dropped off some donations. We went through a pregnancy center. We dropped off cards to friends that were struggling um, so one of the things I thought for the summer was I called the local nursing home and said, you know, is it possible for me to bring the kids in? What does that look like? Is there a time? And so we're arranging times to go in and just just they can sit in color with them. They can play Uno, but just looking not always for how can we consume or how can we plan these days out for our kids to entertain them? How can we be serving others? And just in a simple way like that, where you're not doing anything huge, but you're spending time with people. Yeah. And can I just echo, so my grandfather's in assisted living and Every time I visit with Ezekiel, it makes Mm – like every resident that we see, it makes their day. So they absolutely adore having kids there and seeing kids, and it's just such a huge reaction. So if that is a thought or anything to any of you parents that are listening, I just so highly encourage it because you can see the difference so quickly when you walk into those facilities. Yeah, because my grandmother, she lives out in Philadelphia, and um, she has Alzheimer's. But when we go to visit, I'll take my kids. Yeah. And so my kids yesterday, my daughter's a little hesitant because she's a little shy. But she said, how do you know? Do we have to go? I said, when we go in to you know, your grandmother's, what is everybody? They get so excited. They all look so happy. I said, I know. So let's, let's do that for these people who may not have family yeah. coming in to visit. So. Oh, go ahead, I was April. just going to say, on a much lighter note, um, summer must-haves, find a friend like Holly who plans fun yes. parties and just hang out with them all the time. So just, yeah, wait on her to do something. My backyard fun. is open. Come on over. <laughs> and you also have so many pets, it could kind of be like a petting zoo. It is. I'm going to start charging doing admission. That. Do not get a pet because you're bored, but um, just go to Holly's house and I play recommend with her pets. doing that. <laughs> So just to wrap up, for the mom who may be dreading the change in routine during the transition to summer, what do you want them to hear from this episode? I think I want them to know that some days are better than others. Uh, Don't let the bad days define your summer. Uh, His mercies are new every morning. And so just because yesterday felt like a waste doesn't mean today has to. So choose to lean into his grace and his joy and his gifts each day Um, and, you know, even going that further back to that notion of like, you can't give what you don't have. And so you've got to start remind by reminding yourself of his grace and his love so that that can outpour from you. But when you mess up, it's not a waste. It's not over. I think also, you know, this is sometimes easier said than done, especially on the bad days, but having the mindset that your kids are a gift. Um, and, you know, you have 18 summers with these kiddos. And if you have school age kids, you're down to 14 or less. And so, um, Again, like Holly said, not every day is going to be a good day, but like it's fleeting. Yeah, it it is so so short. Um, so just enjoying and embracing the chaos sometimes, but just enjoying them for a while you have them because it it is.
Well, thank you guys so much for being here. Thanks for just giving so much wisdom over the summertime and encouragement to my mamas that are worried about what's to come. Um, we so appreciate it and really learned a lot from you guys. And just uh, just some logistics for you. Uh, CCC Kids Camp registration is open. It is going to be awesome. I've been seeing some of the different uh, things that are going up around the church as they prepare. And so it is July 31st through August 4th. Um, you can register at cccchapel.com forward slash events. Um, the theme this year is Quest for a King. So it's medieval themed. It's nights. It's going to be pretty epic. So uh, go ahead and register for that. And your older kids can volunteer too. If you have someone not K through five can go, older kids can volunteer. My sixth grader is so excited to help and like this is her first time helping. So And they got the parents' tent. So you get free scones. I'm just saying. <laughs> There's nothing like a CCC scone. I'm just saying. <laughs> it is the best thing in the world. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for tuning in. This has been Parenting for the Everyday. 